Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. We find it in the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Galatians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. This is what God says. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his sons, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. You may be seated. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong I grew up in a foreign country, in Ecuador, in South America, where my parents were missionaries. When I came back to the United States to go to college, I didn't feel like I belonged here. My wife, Susan, used to get upset with me because I would talk about you Americans as though I wasn't one myself. I wanted to go back to Ecuador, where I belonged. Five years later, I did go back to Ecuador with Susan to teach in an international school. Now I was in a real dilemma. I didn't feel like I belonged in the United States, but now I realized I didn't belong in Ecuador either. As a child and a teenager growing up in Ecuador, I felt accepted. But as an adult married to an American woman, I was treated like any other gringo. For the first time in my life, the phrase, Yankee, go home, was directed at me. I was even spit upon. That was an unhappy time for me. I wanted to feel like I belonged. Have you ever felt like you don't belong? On the other hand, there are times when we do belong and we just fail to value what a great blessing that is. That's what happened to Philip Nolan. Philip Nolan was not a real person. He was a character in a short story entitled The Man Without a Country. Philip Nolan was the man without a country. As a young lieutenant in the Army of the United States, he got involved in Aaron Burr's treasonous plot against his country. And he was arrested and tried. After he was found guilty, he bitterly renounced his country. 
He angrily told the court, I wish that I will never hear of the United States again. The sentence that the court imposed on Philip Nolan was to grant him his wish. He was sent to sea to live on naval ships for the rest of his life. And the captains of these ships were given these instructions. Under no circumstances is he ever to hear of his country or see any information regarding it. It is the intention of the government that he shall never again see or hear of the country which he has disowned. Philip Nolan lived under that sentence for over 50 years, and he came to deeply regret those words that had cut him off forever from the country where he belonged. After he died, they found a note in his Bible. It said, bury me in the sea. It has been my home, and I love it. But will not someone set up a stone for my memory at Fort Adams or at New Orleans that my disgrace may not be more than I can bear? Say on it, in memory of Philip Nolan, lieutenant in the Army of the United States, he loved his country as no other man has loved her, but no man ever deserved less at her hand. Philip Nolan had a country where he belonged, but he didn't value what a great blessing that was. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong? Well, the good news that we hear from God's word this morning is that we do belong. We who have believed in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and our Savior from sin belong to the family of God. Let me repeat that. We who have believed in in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and as our Savior from sin belong to the family of God. The good news begins at Christmas. When God sent his son, his only begotten son, into the world to be one of us, that he might redeem us from under the law. That is, from under the law's demand for perfection. We are all sinners, scripture says, and have fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, we are slaves to sin until we are redeemed through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's by virtue of the perfect obedience of Jesus Christ and his all-sufficient sacrifice for our sins that God has bought us back from our slavery to sin. We belong to him now. We are no longer slaves of sin. Have you ever wondered about God's redeeming work? About God exchanging his only begotten son for us? Back in 2014, 
the President of the United States exchanged five high-ranking Taliban members who were prisoners at Guantanamo Bay for one U.S. soldier, Sergeant Bo Bergdahl. To use biblical language, the President redeemed Bo Bergdahl. He bought him back from our enemies. A lot of people took exception to that. They believed that the price was too high. Exchange five high-ranking Taliban members for one U.S. sergeant and a deserter at that? Exchange five high-ranking Taliban members for one low-ranking soldier who was a traitor to his country? I don't want to debate that point this morning. I just want to call your attention to what God did for us in redeeming us. God exchanged his only begotten son for us who the scriptures say were the enemies of God. Who can deny that the price was too high? We, like Sergeant Bo Bergdahl, didn't deserve it. But this is the good news that we hear from God's word this morning. That at great cost to himself... God has bought us back from our slavery to sin. We now belong to him. But the good news doesn't stop there. Because our text tells us that not only did God redeem us from under the law, not only do we belong to God, not only that God is our master, but that he is also our father by adoption. Now this is a very important point to consider and to think about because over the years I've known many Christians who have understood very well that they have been redeemed, that God is their Lord and their master, and they serve him in that way. They they feel like they have to earn God's favor. They live in fear of displeasing their master. They're full of guilt because of their failings. They they serve God out of a sense of duty alone rather than out of a sense of love. John Wesley, one of the founders of, of Methodism, was a very earnest Christian along with his brother Charles he belonged to what they called the Holy Club. 
These men devoted themselves to things like prayer and the study of God's word and doing good works. Anything that was associated with holy living. By the way, the term Methodism refers to the methods of acquiring holiness. But for John, there was still something missing. And later on in his life, he wrote that for years he had known God as his Lord and Master. But it was only after he realized that God was also his Father that he entered into the full joy of his salvation. Our text tells us that we were redeemed that we might receive the adoption as sons. We who were the enemies of God have not only been redeemed, but we've been brought into the very family of God. What kind of love is this? To go back to my previous illustration, I don't know what motivated the President of the United States to redeem Bo Bergdahl, but I doubt that it was love. And you'll notice that it didn't cost the President anything personally to redeem Bo Bergdahl, and I'm certain that he never considered adopting Bo Bergdahl into his family. But the scriptures tell us that all of God's saving work on our behalf was motivated by love. For God so loved the world. And adoption is an expression of a special kind of love. You know, when babies are born, they are so cute and easy to love. I just had a grandson born on Friday and received a picture of him the very day that he was born. He's adorable. He's lovable. And given who his grandparents are, I know he is going to be perfect in every way. That's the way we think of kids when they're first born. We don't realize the heartache that they can bring later on. We don't realize how disobedient and rebellious they can be, how ungrateful they can be. And it's only after it's too late that we realize that they came with no return policy whatsoever. But adoption is a special expression of love in this sense. When people adopt older children, they are adopting children where they have already developed 
behavioral problems, where they may have special needs, where they have issues that make them difficult to love. That's a choice to love, not because these people are cute and lovable, but because they need to be loved. That's the kind of love that God has loved us with, an adoptive love. In Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the kind intention of his will. In other words, God, who knows the end from the beginning, who knew how disobedient, rebellious, and ungrateful we would be as his children chose to love us anyhow by adopting us into his family. That's an amazing love. And it's hard for us to grasp and to appreciate. And God knew this. And for this reason, he doesn't just tell us that he loves us, but he sends the Spirit into our lives to reassure us that even when we are disobedient and rebellious and ungrateful, that God is still our daddy. That's what Abba means. What an amazing love God has for his children. And the climax of the good news this morning is that not only have we been adopted into the family of God, but that we are also guaranteed an inheritance. We are heirs through God. This has nothing to do with us and our works. We inherit simply because through the love of Christ, we have been redeemed and adopted into the family of God. Martin Luther understood this uh, very well. He says in his commentary on Galatians There is no work or merit that bringeth us the inheritance, but our adoption only. And so in obtaining the inheritance, we are mere patients and not agents. Simply adoption is that which makes us an heir. So we obtain eternal gifts, namely the forgiveness of sins, righteousness, the glory of the resurrection, and everlasting life, not as agents, but as patients. 
That is, not by doing, but by receiving alone. Louis IX of France was an unusual king for France in the sense that he was a godly man. He is also known as Louis the Confessor. He valued the fact that he was a child of God, that he belonged to the family of God. He wrote, I think more of the place where I was baptized than of the place where I was crowned. For the dignity of a child of God conferred on me at baptism is far greater than being a ruler of the realm. The latter I will lose at death, but the former will be my passport to eternal glory. Now, we can quibble with Louis IX over his theology because it isn't baptism that confers sonship on us. It's not baptism that makes us members of the family of God. That is accomplished only through our faith in Jesus Christ as expressed by these communicant members earlier this morning. But Louis IX was right to put such a high value on the fact that he belonged to the family of God. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong? Well, brothers and sisters... The good news from God's word this morning is that we do belong. We belong to the family of God. And that is the ultimate forever family. And for us, our best days are always ahead of us. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we've heard the good news many times. But it seems like it doesn't impact us the way it should. What a great God you are. What a great master. What a loving father you are. And what hope you fill us with for our future in heaven with you. Father, thank you for making us a part of the family of God. Thank you for the fellowship that we enjoy with you and our brothers and sisters here and now. But Father, we pray, come quickly, that we might enjoy even better fellowship in heaven forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.